Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. You're back in the air here at 3CR. This is the Sewer Show, Squatter and Unwaged Airwaves. Do I need to say that again? <laughs> um, uh, yep, uh, here we go, the Food Not Bombs edition. Uh, we've just heard a, a repeat of Stick Together. So, um, yeah, hopefully, Trevor, if you're listening out there, you're okay and everything. I'm not quite sure what that was about. But, um, yeah, we've got a couple of interviews on the show today. Um, and it's our usual kind of mixed show, but we actually are talking about something to do with unemployment today, which is a change, perhaps. But, yes. Yeah. Um, especially like capital U unemployment, not just like skirting around the issues or something. But um, do you want to talk about what the interviews are about? Yep. So I've got an interview with someone um, regarding um, <coughs> the police raids at Ruma Api, which is a collective, um, which is a, sorry, a DIY space um, in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. Um, they got raided a couple of weeks ago on the 28th of August. So we've got someone talking about that. And then following that, I've got an interview with Kieran from the Doll Action Group. Um, And I was talking to him a little bit about, you know, the changes that came in to the uh, welfare on July 1st. And he's talking a little bit about how that affects affects us all, I guess, some of our listeners. Um, Yeah, so before that interview with Kieran, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what happened in Malaysia, Ruma Api. So, yeah, I guess we'll play the interview first and then we can talk a little bit about it afterwards. Um, yeah, here we go. Hi and welcome back. Um, today I'm talking with someone who's involved, who was involved in the solidarity action uh, yesterday afternoon at the Malaysian Embassy. Um, and we're going to be talking about what happened there. Can you tell us a little bit about what the action was about? Uh, hi. Uh, essentially, the action was just a simple act of solidarity with um, comrades and friends who um, live in Kuala Lumpur in a community centre called Ruma Api. And so we just uh, went down to the Malaysian consulate on St Kilda Road to um, distribute flyers with some information about what had happened there and... Um, take some photos that we can um, send onward through the internet so that our uh, friends can see that they've got support in many parts of the world. And can you tell us a little bit about what Rumor RP is, just for our listeners who don't know what, what Rumor RP is? Okay, so Rumor RP is a, it's a social space and um, venue that it has been around for, I think, more than six years now in uh, the suburb of Ampang in Kuala Lumpur. Um, It has lots of collectives that work out of there. Um, 
Kuala Lumpur Food Not Bombs um, runs out of there. Um, they have a lot of um, shows there, of, uh, like from different uh, c- community groups and, um, you know, subcultures. There's a record store there. Um, people, there's m- about five or six people that actually live there and a lot of um, travellers uh, from all over the place um, use it as a hub and use it as accommodation when they live in Kuala Lumpur. Um, I suppose that's essentially um, what Ruma Api is. And it's like more for the DIY kind of DIY punk scene in Malaysia? Well, yeah. I mean, essentially like the people that live there, I would would say like identify as punks. (laughs) It's it's pretty punk. Um, But, and it's like very DIY they do a lot of um screen printing and a lot of um uh what would you call it like sort of propaganda making and distribution out of this place um however they do have links with people from um different communities of resistance around Kuala Lumpur and um, because it's been around for quite a while um it is utilized by just like by more than just simply the punk scene and um so what happened I believe there was a police raid on on the space, and about 160 people are arrested. Is that right? Yeah, that's um, what I'm led to believe as well. Um, I've had a little bit of communication with someone that lives there about it, and uh, on the night, the um, there was a uh, part, just a, a party or a show there, and um, <coughs> a hundred and yeah, 161 people got arrested. Um, there was. Um, I don't know how many police involved, but um, they had um, machine guns and um, a dog squad. Every single person that was in attendance got arrested. Uh, Every single person in attendance was held for at least three days in the local police station. And um, residents of the house, two or three residents of the house and one Indonesian uh, person was held for... Sorry, the residents were held for four days and then one Indonesian person was held for even longer than that under some kind of suspicion that he wasn't legal, which was completely unfounded. Um, The police claimed that it was in relation to suspicions of stuff like terrorism and involvement in the Bursa 4 rallies, which have been um, happening more and more frequently in Malaysia of late, which is in regards to, like... um, government corruption and uh like uh people's votes like and um people's taxes going into appropriate places um so it, it's quite i think it's quite a liberal movement um however funnily enough um the people at Ruma RP um don't necessarily even agree with the politics of those rallies or nor even partake in those rallies um because it is reformist in nature and they've publicly stated that so it's quite ironic that the police would target Ruma RP in relation to those rallies because I mean they held them over the period of those the last set of rallies um, when in actual fact those people are the least likely um, people from the left or whatever to get involved in the Bursa 4 rallies. So the Bursa 4 rallies are more like a pro-democracy kind of movement going on in Malaysia because of there's so much corruption and police repression and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's it's pro-democracy. Um, I mean, elements of which I'm sure people have sympathies too. But, um, uh, yeah, it's not something that's um, high on the agenda for people who have um, analysis that goes um, beyond 
concepts like um, holding police or governments accountable um, by voting in other governments. Okay, thank you so much for coming in and um, talking to us about that. Thanks very much, mate. The Melbourne Street Medics need your help. On Saturday the 18th of July, when we took to the streets against Reclaim Australia, Victoria Police pepper sprayed the crowd. We treated more than 100 people and we're asking you to donate to help restock our kits and train up new medics. We believe in empowering people to fight for a better world. Please help us to care for those who stand up for our rights. Please go to ozcrowd.com and search for Melbourne Street Medics or go to the Melbourne Street Medics Facebook page for more information on how to donate. You're back on the air here at 3CR. This is the Sewer Show, Squadron Unwaged Airwaves. Um, just heard a song by the Smiths, apparently, um, The Shoplifters of the World Unite, um, inspired, I think, by, like, the Anarchist Book Fair and the Food Not Bomb stall and a few of us, including myself, not even being aware that there was a song based on some patches we were selling. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> so we've um, had an interview with someone about a solidarity action that was held for Ruma Api, which is a social centre in Malaysia that got um, raided by like lots and lots of cops and hundreds of people, 161 people, I think, being arrested. And um, yeah, so there was a solidarity action yesterday in Melbourne. Um, I think there were actually a few solidarity actions around the world and in um, Malaysia. So yeah, we just went to the Malaysian consulate just to as an act of solidarity because we know people in Malaysia that, um, you know, are involved in Rumah Api and people have stayed there and stuff. So, yeah, it was just... I guess it was just an act of solidarity for people there to know that, yeah, we heard about it and we know what's going on. And, um, yeah, it was good. Mm. Um, one of the things that we just heard then in the interview was that a few people were arrested and held for, like, a few a few days at a time, including... Um, one person from Indonesia held like, you know, in what's sort of eerily familiar, I guess, to the sort of thing that happens in Australia, um, people, you know, thinking that someone was like some sort of illegal entrant into the country, which is what our government always goes on about. But um, did you know a bit more about the kind of like laws and stuff that they were being arrested under? Well, I guess they said that there, there was... Um yeah, they arrested all 160 people that were in attendance. Um, most people were held for about three or four days, some longer. Um, yeah, the, the foreigners that were kept on suspicion of being in the country illegally, th- those claims were unfounded and that they were released later. But um, two people are still being held. Um, uh, yeah, and, and they're being charged with under some act... Um, facing court charges under Section 143 of the Penal Code um, of the Sedition Act. Um, yeah, so if if they're found guilty, they do face a, face fines or prison sentences of up to 20 years, um, which is extremely harsh, I think, for a, essentially what was a gig and a, you know, a concert and a party. But just because it was being held on the eve of the, um, the rally the following day... Um, I think that's why the police had heard that that the title was Party Tonight, Revolution Tomorrow, and that's what kind of sparked the raids. Um, 
Yeah, and I guess those arrested were caught for attempting to overthrow the government by staging a revolution. And that's, an, yeah, an assumption made by the police after knowing the event of the title, which I guess is an extreme overreaction considering it was just a kind of punk show. Yeah, um, and having seen that poster online um, and people can have a look for it themselves, if they um, Google Rumour RP and there's like, yeah, there's a picture of someone wearing what might be some kind of face mask. Yeah, like Party Tonight, Revolution Tomorrow, and that seems to be the sole basis that they're like, right, you 160 people at a punk show are actually planning on overthrowing the state tomorrow. That'd have to be a really well-organised group <laughs> of 160 people, much more organised than punks in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, it's totally ridiculous. So The other thing that happened was that... Um a lot of the women that were there ha have accused the police of mistreatment and stuff. Um, and that's happened before in Malaysia, I guess. So um, I know I was researching it today and I, f I saw that some, um, yeah, people are accusing the police of um, seriously mistreating some of the women there. Um, and I think it was the Inspector General of the Police didn't even have a proper inquest into that, just dismissed the claims and... Um, yeah, so that's an ongoing thing that's going on now uh, in Malaysia. So, yeah, check it out. It's all on social media and stuff. Um, I think we should go to a break. We'll go to another song and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about uh, Work for the Doll and the Doll Action Group and, um, yeah, how these changes that came in on July 1 are going to affect people seeking welfare. Do you want to be like the rich and famous? Do you want a tax deduction? Donate to 3CR Radiophone. I can't promise you a tax refund like Mr Murdoch's $882 million, but I can promise you a legal, legitimate tax deduction if you donate to the 3CR Radiophone. Do like the rich and famous do. Direct your taxes to your favourite cause, your favourite program on Community Radio 3CR and tell Toxic Tony where to go. Donate now. Don't leave it till tomorrow. 039 419 8377. And if you're computer literate, 3cr.org.au. Hi, we're back on the air. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Um, this is the sewer show, the squatter and unwaged worker airwaves. Um, so what we've got up now for you is an interview that um, I had with Kieran from the Doll Action Group. Um, we'll play the first part now. Um, yeah, and it's just Kieran talking a little bit about the changes to uh, welfare, New Start, and particularly work for the Doll. So we'll play the first part of that interview now and have a short break and play the second half afterwards. So today we're talking with uh, Kieran from the Doll Action Group. Um, he's on the phone. Hello, Kieran. Can you hear me? And how are you? I'm um, good. Good morning, Steph. Uh, things are uh, going well at our end. That's good. Um, I was hoping you could just maybe briefly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who the Doll Action Group are. Yeah, certainly. So the Doll Action Group is uh, a group that got together in order to oppose the Abbott government's proposed changes uh, to the welfare system in the 2014 budget. Uh, in particular, 
Um, the issue that we're attempting to work on is the changes to work for the doll um, and the way in which that will affect increasingly all job seekers. Um, we think that yeah, the work for the doll system sucks and like the changes amount to a massive expansion of that program uh, that, are, that are worth trying to organise people on and oppose. Yeah, I, I guess most of our listeners are probably already aware about um, the welfare changes that did come into effect on the 1st of July this year. But can you tell us a bit about how, peop, um, how people can expect to be affected by those changes, particularly um, work for the dole? Certainly. So in the aftermath of the 2014 budget, like a large amount of the changes that were proposed around the welfare system uh, stalled or failed or were modified in some way. But uh, a couple of big things that still came through the pipeline and were successful uh, were first the reforming of the uh, job network system uh, into what's now job active um, and, uh, and also the big changes to work for the doll. Uh, the big changes are that the government does intend, it seems, to push um, basically anyone who's on the dole for any significant amount of time, you know, more than a few months, uh, onto a work for the dole program uh, for anywhere up to 25 hours a week uh, if they're under 30 um, and uh, anywhere up to 15 hours a week if they're between 30 and 50. Um, this amounts to a massive expansion in the numbers of people uh, affected by this program, uh, and there are a, a lot fewer alternatives available to people to avoid work for the doll and meet the, uh, the heinous participation requirements that the government insists upon. Um, the other interesting thing about the, tr uh, the change, so the change from the, um, the job service provider, uh, or I forget what it was called, Job Network Australia, whatever the heck, um, to now the Job Active program, um, it's the same sort of model of outsourced uh, provision of, of what used to be the Commonwealth Employment Service, but the particular thing is that it's been um, consolidated into a few core agencies, uh, into a few core uh, third-party providers, and prominent amongst them are less and less charities and, and actually more and more for-profit enterprises competing for government contracts. Uh, so some of the big winners out of this consolidation uh, included the infamous Max Employment, which uh, a lot of people will now find themselves dealing with more and more. Mm. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about um, what you know about wage subsidies and how this um, will affect job seekers? Yeah, so there's always been some basic system of wage subsidy available, uh, in particular in the disability employment network uh, mm. under previous models, where employers that uh, would agree to take on somebody um, who was long-term unemployed with a disability would receive some kind of subsidy. Uh, under the new job active contracts, the notable things about this are that the periods of time in which an employer has to actually employ somebody in order to receive substantial wage subsidies um, have, uh, have been significantly reduced. So um, somebody who is employed for as little as three months uh, under this under this wage subsidy system, the employer who employs them can can receive uh, now a couple of thousand dollars. And people targeted by these subsidies are young people, Indigenous people, the long-term unemployed, uh, and people affected by the the restart program. Uh, what the impact of this is, like what we've seen in practice, is that in order to win um, the performance payments and other things, job agencies are also often. Uh, labour hire agencies or connected to labour hire agencies 
um, and have churned people through short-term rubbish work in order to win the, the performance payments. Um, and there's not actually been the prospect of long-term of long-term employment there for a person at the end of that. Mm. So what the shortening of the time scale with uh, for it means is that in as little as three months of basically precarious work, um, an employer can churn people through this process. A job agency can win performance payments for having placed people in work. Um, with ultimately very little net effect or net gain for the person who's got what is, you know, a three month a three month job really, and, and not really, you know, something with any long term prospects to it at all. Yeah, it's like unemployment's become an industry in itself, like a profit making industry, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, like what we saw with, um, it was really good to see the Four Corners investigation earlier this year um, into into the rotting and um, and just. Like like rampant fraud uh, in the previous um, job uh, in the previous job network system, um, and in particular, uh, it was interesting to see that one of the, the 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 key job service providers under the previous system who was engaged in this rampant fraud and rotting, according to the Four Corners investigation, was of course Max Employment. Yeah. Um, and some of the things, some of the practices they highlighted that these for-profit businesses will do in order to win. Um, the, the various payments associated with uh, service provision under these tenders is just outright fabricate documents. Um, you know, people find jobs totally unconnected to the actions of this agency and they just say, yeah, we totally did that. Uh, people being placed into things that basically aren't jobs with basically no long-term prospects. Um, or when there was no, pros- you know, when the, when the job service uh, provider was actually going to have to do some work for a person to get a job, that person basically just being parked, too much trouble. Um, where can we where can we churn some service uh, fees and and up the revenue? Um, so it's very much an industry. And the changes in the new job active contracts, first the consolidation into a few big, and and several of them just for profit government service providers like Max Employment, um, and then it it does appear to actually be easier for them to churn um, short term work and like I wonder how this will how this will link in with things like um, like seasonal uh, seasonal employment um, because on a three month you know three months qualifies for a wage subsidy and three months counts as uh, employed for the um, for the purposes of these uh, new job active agencies um, I, I fear there are a lot of people are going to find themselves shunted into um, three months of, hey, go pick some fruit or something. No, there are no long-term prospects. You know, yeah, it probably is a shame contracting arrangement, but hey, it works well for us. So yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> um, and I understand that the Dole Action Group is particularly focusing uh, on the involvement of the Salvation Army. Can you explain um, a little bit about why to our listeners? Absolutely. So the expansion of the work of the Dole Programme there are several things that are really, really bad about this. Like, I, I would highlight, and I think a lot of listeners of 3CR would agree, that what works for the doll amounts to in practice is forcing the unemployed to perform effectively unpaid labor. Some people have argued, you know, it works for the doll, so the doll amounts to a wage. And if it did, well, then it's a wage of $10.21 an hour for jobs you don't get to choose uh, performing menial tasks for, um, for large effectively corporatized so-called charities. Uh, and the salvos are a big component of this. So 
it's not just the Salvo stores, uh, but the Salvos run a variety of other businesses and have a variety of other enterprises, uh, which are not staffed in practice by volunteers in any meaningful sense. They're uh, effectively factories of, of people engaged in work for the doll uh, and compelled to be there as labour for what is, in the, in the case of the Salvation Army, increasingly just uh, a large agency that is engaged in tendering for government contracts um, rather than some kind of noble charitable pursuit. In terms of the work for the doll system, the government actually faces a real problem with its policy. They've not yet been able to push the idea on the Australian public that work for the dolls should be performed for for-profit businesses. You know, most people balk at that idea. They go, you know, if you're working for a for-profit business, you know, this should actually be like that business should pay a wage and, you know, it should actually be a job. Mm. Um, if I might sort of go on a bit of a tangent there briefly, it's interesting to note um, that the way the government's got around this problem is through the introduction of a system of work experience rather than work for the doll available to people. So you can go and work for free for a business for four weeks and this business can try the unemployed before they buy, in the immortal words of Tony Abbott, um, with no obligation for them to offer you a job at the end of this. Oh, but you'll still receive your doll payment whilst performing, unpa- uh, whilst performing labour. Uh, for a private enterprise for four weeks. But they're calling that work experience rather than work for the doll. Um, but in order to foist the estimated like 700,000 people unemployed and seeking jobs in this country onto work for the doll, they're going to require a massive expansion in um, the meaningless work performed uh, in, in areas of the nonprofit sector. Uh, because there just aren't 700,000, you know, 25 hour a week placements available. Um, And one of the mechanisms that we've seen in order to cope with this already is that job agencies effectively set up bogus um, work arrangements with charities. So one of the big ones we've identified um, with the Salvos is that um, Matchworks, uh, a a work for the doll uh, coordinator, effectively runs, supervises and operates what amounts to a sweatshop under the auspices of, of the Salvation Army in order to churn people in and out of work for the doll and, you know, win the, win the, um, the various fees associated with uh, performing that service. So there is an opportunity, though, to break this government's policy in regards to that because the government is relying on the participation of the non-profit sector in the exploitation of hundreds of thousands of people on work for the doll. And one of the largest components of this is the Salvation Army. Um, So in terms of opposing and dismantling what amounts to a system of forced labour, placing pressure on organisations like the Salvation Army could be a powerful mechanism for trying to break this government's policy. And it's interesting to note, in particular with the Salvation Army, that um, one of the big campaigns they're running this year and one of their sort of feature uh, bits of social justice work has been um, the uh, campaign to end modern slavery, the Freedom Partnership to End Modern Slavery. And in particular, the Salvos there highlight that forced labour is, you know, slavery in the modern age and that forced labour occurs in Australia. And yet, one of the biggest utilisers of forced labour in Australia is the Salvation Army Mm -hmm. through the Work for the Doll program. Um, So, yeah, we're very keen to highlight the hypocrisy of the Salvation Army in this respect and call upon charities that if you are still volunteer organisations, 
then volunteering needs to be voluntary. Yeah. Um, I know that the Doll Action Group have been involved in some recent activities, and can you tell us a little bit about um, your last few actions? Certainly. So one of the things that we're really keen to do um, in terms of combating the system of work for the doll is find people doing work for the doll uh, and attempt to organise amongst them with regards to these charities and that kind of thing. So with, uh, with regards to the Salvos, one of the things we've done is actually um, we're also very keen to place more public pressure on these organisations to abide to the values they claim to adhere to, in particular the Salvos with regards to forced labour. Um, so recently we had a week of action targeting Salvo stores around Melbourne. And what that amounted to initially was uh, leafletting outside Salvo stores, speaking to Salvo's customers uh, about the values that the Salvos profess to support and about what their practice amounts to in work for the doll. But also we've been trying to meet and network with people doing work for the doll in these sweatshops run by the Salvation Army. And I use the word sweatshop very deliberately for some of the stuff we've seen. So we've had some community forums where we've invited people in these programs to come talk to us, you know, compare notes, um, share stories, and, and let's find out what the reality is of doing work for the doll with the Salvation Army. Um, and you know, one young gentleman at a most recent forum described to me that uh, what work the doll for him amounted to um, was first being um, was being sexually harassed by a Salvation Army volunteer in one of these programs, and second was performing menial labour in a, a small, cramped and unventilated room uh, with up to 20 other people whilst performing uh, a variety of sewing tasks. Mm. Um, yeah, real skills development right there for his future employment mm. prospects, not. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's part of the work we've been doing. Did you have any, what were the, did you have any response from the Salvation Army or anyone that, what was your response to the actions that you had? So far the Salvation Army think they can basically contain any bad press around this. Uh, so they churn out a, a fairly standard form letter along the lines of, we reckon that uh, our process of forced labour, sorry, participation in work for the doll teaches people the discipline to get up in the morning and offers them skills uh, in, in the performance of work. Yeah. Um, so what that highlights to me is that the Work for the Doll program is about disciplining the unemployed. Uh, it's about disciplining the working class. It's about punishing people uh, for the audacity of being unemployed and failing to get a job, so to speak, in an economy where there's 110,000 advertised vacancies and 700,000 people entirely out of work. Um, but also, they they think that their charity status makes them immune from criticism, uh, and that's something we've got to really break through. We've got to we've got to undermine that idea that the Salvation Army is necessarily just because of its history some uh, noble and uh, charitable enterprise that's beyond criticism. Uh, in practice, today they increasingly resemble the large service-providing corporations that operate for other areas of the government um, and perform outsourcing work, whether they're in prisons, detention centres, or in work for adults. And it's interesting to note that the Salvation Army has been connected with all three. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. Thanks, Kieran. Um, and if our listeners are, are negatively affected by work for the doll, do you, do you have any suggestions about what they can do about it? Or 
yeah, um, the the process, like it's it's actually it's it's one of the really concerning things about the work the doll thing is just how fewer rights people trapped in that process actually have. So, um, you know, if you were a worker, you would you you would have you know some some basic rights around the right to join a union and the right to um, to quit your job and the right to yeah. do some other stuff like that. Uh, you find yourself on the work for the doll program, uh, and you you don't have those basic rights under law as an employee. But I think that the, the same basic approach has to occur, uh, and that is that people on work for the doll, in order to you know fight this system, are going to have to link up and organise uh, because yeah, otherwise we we're, we're going to find ourselves with a an increasingly two tier. Well, we already have a multi tier labour system in this country, but very clear large segment of people in, you know, a system of compelled labour. Um, there are social security advocacy services um, available. Uh, VCOS in Victoria, um, dear listeners, is one place that people can go for some basic advice. Uh, but the other thing that I'd really encourage people on Work for the Doll to do is, is to link up with a campaigning organisation and let's try and fight this because the way it sits at the moment, there just really is, you know, under law, people on work for the doll increasingly resemble peasants. Mm. And finally, how can people get involved in the doll action group if they are interested in um, maybe helping out or supporting your organisation? Absolutely. You can find the doll action group at dollaction.org. Uh, you can also find us as doll action group on Facebook, doll action on Twitter. Uh, we have an organising meeting at the moment uh, in the CBD in Melbourne, usually once a fortnight. Um, we encourage people who are interested in getting involved, um, reaching out to us or, or just finding out more to get in touch with us uh, either on Facebook or online and come along to an organising meeting and let's plot together how to end this system. Thank you so much, Kieran. Thanks so much for talking with us today. It was great. It's been a real pleasure, Jess. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. See you back on the air here at 3CR. This is the Food Not Bombs edition of the Squatter and Unwaged Airwaves show, the Sewer Show. Um, we just heard an interview with Kieran from the Dole Action Group um, about changes to the Dole and work for the Dole and a bit about the Salvos and um, some of the not-so-great things that they do. Yeah, and I guess I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like, um, yeah, it affects a lot of our listeners um, I also wanted to mention that yesterday the, uh, the Senate blocked the government's proposed wait for the Dole scheme, um, which would have seen young job seekers under the age of 25 years old wait up to four weeks for unemployment benefits. Um, yeah, and that comes after the... I guess they reduced what was going to be a six-month wait down to a, a one-month wait. And even that's now been rejected. Um, so I guess essentially it's good. It's a good thing. These some of these changes, the proposed changes, have been quite unpopular, um, and that's across the board. Both both parties or all parties sort of, um, yeah, disagreeing with the government's proposed changes. So I guess that's a a plus. Um, I think Scott Morrison was mentioning he, he was hoping maybe he could try and pass it again, but hopefully, you know, he won't go around for a third try. Mm. But, yeah. 
Yeah, and some of the things that came from that interview with Kieran that I thought were really interesting, um, Kieran was talking about the salvos and the way that um, them and other organisations, you know, they should be using voluntary labour that's actually voluntary and not this forced labour through work for the doll. Just um, reminds me of community service as well, that a lot of these same charities use co- people doing court-ordered community work of however many hours per <coughs> excuse me per year or per... Um, yeah, so per year and the way that these organisations also rely on um, court-ordered staff members so they're also not voluntary. So it'd be interesting to know like how many s- people like at the Salvos are actually there because they <laughs> want to be. Yeah. Um, and, the you know, the other thing that, I mean, that thinking about that is often that there was, I don't know if it's the same with Work for the Doll, but there was this really big split between people who were volunteers and people who were doing community service at a lot of charities and um, people doing community service, like, treated with contempt. And, you know, like, say if you're working at a, I think it was Sacred Heart Mission, if you were there doing community work, you'd be peeling potatoes all day and then washing dishes, whereas if you're a volunteer, you're allowed to actually serve food um, or, you know, interact with people. So Mm. it's very much like this. So it'd be interesting to know what that breakdown is with um, people doing... Work for the doll. And the other thing, just really quickly, that I was thinking about was when back in the day I had to do rehabilitation after breaking some bones through the Commonwealth Rehabilitation Service and I had to do the same four-week work experience that Kieran was saying is now going to be, like, tried to be pushed onto other workers. Like, so it's this sort of thing that's existed for a while, at least amongst, like... um, organizations aimed at people you know with disabilities or coming back from injuries and my experience at work experience at Kmart was a total waste of time (laughs) like it was so disorganized I probably did like five out of my 20 shifts Mm. because there was no nothing to prove that I was there so I was like why would I come here I mean I'm not learning anything yeah like and I guess that's the whole point is that everyone's saying you know this work for the doll doesn't actually it's not skilling anybody up. It's not going to create long-term jobs. It's just, you know, it's something that it, it, it's a way of creating, seemingly creating more jobs in in terms of people that work for, for the work for the doll supervisors and stuff. But in terms of skilling people up for long-term employment, it's not going to work. And in fact, it detracts from people, you know, finding um, any kind of meaningful or long-term work and it just seems like it's a kind of a punitive measure from the government they don't want people to you know that they were saying they don't want people to come straight from straight from university and go straight into centrelink queues or whatever it's it's a punishment it's there it's a it's there as a way to to punish you know the poor or the unemployed or the disabled or Hmm. you know yeah, and like my um, worker at my job network agency was saying to me that with the sheer number of people that are now being pushed into work for the doll, it's like there is nowhere near enough places and, you know, they're having to employ more and more people to try and find places. And it's like even if the principle was a good one, like there aren't enough places for people to actually do that meaningful work, to learn some skills because you're just going to have people sitting around. And I think I mentioned last month, like, sitting around waiting for the paintbrush for your turn to paint. Like, mm. it's just a total waste of time. And as you say, it's punitive, like, to be like, go out and get a job, even though there's no jobs. Like, mm. we're going to punish you until you get a job. Um, so I guess 
Yeah, it's 25 past six. <laughs> You're listening to The Sewer Show on 3CR Community Radio. Um, I guess we'll go out now. I've just got a few listings and events and things that I wanted to plug. So um, I guess I'll start with that. <laughs> um, so today, actually at five o'clock, it's, it might still be going, I'm not sure, but um, there was a Stop the War on Syria rally at Flinders Street Station. So if you're out and about in the city, um, uh, check it out, Stop the War in Syria. Uh, also tomorrow, Saturday the 12th of September, there's a rally outside of the State Library um, and that's about the Australia Post, so it's a hands-off Australia Post and our jobs. Um, I'd also like to plug the Hot Shots Cafe, which happens every Thursday at 7pm. Um, it's got free food and events, and that's at 20 Buckley Street in Footscray, so if you're ever around Footscray on a Thursday night, you should come check it out. Um, what else? Also, Friday the 18th of September, there's a gecko fundraiser and punk show. That's also at Hot Shots, and that's raising money for Gecko, which is Goongarra Environment Centre. Um, and they're an organisation that works to protect old growth forests in East Gippsland, and they do a lot of great work, research and advocacy and stuff. So you should definitely check that out. Um, also, Monday the 5th of October at 7pm at 3CR, there's a 3CR fundraiser. Um, and it's a film event, and the screening is of Marxist Cowboys. I'm not sure. It's a, it says it's a commie, commie comedy. <laughs> so check that out. Help support 3CR Community Radio. Um, there's also Stand Up for Refugees Rally, 2 p.m. Sunday, October the 11th at the State Library. So you should definitely check that out. There's a lot going on with refugees and migrants and all this sort of stuff, which we haven't had a chance to talk about today. But, um, yeah, you should totally check it out. And I also wanted to promote Mess the West Festival, which is a Melbourne DIY festival. Um, it's a four-day event, and it's going to be held at various locations in the western suburbs. And that's happening on the 20, 22nd to the 25th of October. So there'll be more information about that, I guess, on our next show too. So And Food Not Bombs may be catering one of the, one of the days as oh. well. Awesome, cool. Yeah. yeah, so check that out. Um, it's 6.27. We've got Mafalda coming up next. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our guests um, and thanks to Kieran from Doll Action Group. We're going to go out with a song. <laughs> The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.